Hey everybody, this is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, and we have a great episode planned for you today. Of course, we we have a very intriguing and quite perplexing, actually, bad nurse story. Um, you know, it takes a lot for me to be surprised at the cruelty and selfishness of people, but I don't think I'll ever be, I don't think I'll ever stop being surprised by the sheer stupidity of people who obviously <laughs> have to be intelligent or they wouldn't have careers, you know, in the healthcare field, the, the, the careers that they do. But anyway, I digress. We'll get into that later for sure. We also have a really shocking good nurse story for you. I cannot wait to tell you about her. And I'm going to make it a little bit of a mystery because I want you to, I want to see if you can figure out who she is by the description. Trust me, you're going to know, you know her, I promise. But I, you, I don't think any of you know that she was a nursing assistant. And so I'm just really excited to get to do her story. And then for our Not Necessarily Nursing News segment, we're going to read an actual job description for nurses from 1887 and then discuss how things have changed since then. And pardon me while I get on my soapbox because I cannot wait to get to that part. I have so much on my mind that I want to talk about. So you guys definitely stick around for that. But... Let me just introduce my guest host for this week. I'm very excited to have Janelle with Novice as the new nurse, you guys. you you. If For those of you that watched our little Trusted Health live Instagram thing we did, this is Janelle, Nurse Janelle. She is a cheerleader for all the new grads out there. Let me just tell you, if you're a new grad, you want to know this woman. She is probably one of the most eloquently spoken women I've ever heard speak about nursing. She has so much wisdom for how young she is, and you're going to be so impressed with her. But also, she's an author, and you're going to want to definitely read her book that's about to come out here in any minute. By the time this gets released, it will be out. So, Janelle, hello and welcome to hey, Good Bad I'm so excited to be here and for us to chat and to, to be co-hosting this session with you. And, you know, we can talk for hours and hours and hours and hours together. So, this is going to be fun. <laughs> I'm really excited. Uh, one thing that Janelle and I have only had a couple of conversations, a few conversations together, and every time we have ever gotten together to talk about something, like we cannot stop. She and I are literally like on the same wavelength when it comes to yeah. almost every topic. I love it. We get to talking about something, and I swear the words that come out of her mouth are things that I say all the time, or that I think, and just or just how I feel, and I don't even know how to put into words. She literally puts it into words, so. I'm excited about the book. I cannot wait to read it just because I know how much I enjoy oh. listening to you talk about nursing because you really do have a way of putting just, I don't know, experiences and, and feelings that the as you're doing nursing, as you're being a nurse, whether it's your new grad or your experienced nurse, whatever your experience is that you're having at the moment, you've been a nurse for a while. So you kind of have all the perspectives. And so I do feel like no matter what topic we get on, you're able to put that into really, not just put it into words, but in <laughs> really nice words where it makes sense and it, it resonates. And I'm not just saying that. I don't say that. I don't, I don't just like to just, I don't just brag about people for no reason, I promise. So tell everyone the name of this book that's coming out. Where can they find it? I want them to yeah, know where they can I, get I this book. And I appreciate your kind words. I really, really do. I received them. Thank you. Um, so the book is entitled Lavender and Peppermint Tea, Gentle Affirmations for the New Nurse. And it is an interactive affirmations book for new nurses. So in the book, you'll find affirmations, you'll find my reflections on those affirmations. And those reflections include, you know, like my real life experiences, um, motivation for the new nurse, inspiration, 
Um, Throughout the book, there are also journal prompts, there are activities in there, all things to help you dig deeper and and find your power so that when you step into your place of work, like you are shining and you are ready to pour into the cups of all the the patients that you are, are there to serve. So you can find Lavender and Peppermint Tea on Amazon. Um, Use your Amazon Prime so you can get the book in one to two days. (laughs) Or you can just go to lavenderandpeppermintea.com and it's all linked up on that website. Or you can go to Lavender and Peppermint Tea on Instagram or you can just find me on Novices and New Nurse on Instagram and it's linked there as well. So yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of uh, that wisdom that I was telling you guys about. All of that is on her Instagram page, but this is going to be, I'm sure it's going to expound yeah. on all of those things and kind of put it all in one place and make it interactive so that you can journal and kind of get your thoughts out there. And I love the idea. I love the concept and and I love that you're the one doing it. So I'm really excited about it. So you guys will have to go and find yes. that book for sure. So I guess we can get started on this, this bad nurse story. I'm telling you what, like I said at the beginning, people, you know, I, I, I'm never, unfortunately, it takes a lot to surprise me at people's cruelty and their selfishness and their absolute almost evilness. Like I just, uh, this, this particular job, what I do here and I, it's, it's, it, it is sort of a job. I love doing it, but it's definitely, it's definitely work. But I mean, the research, researching these people, I've stopped being surprised at how awful people can be. Uh, And we always say, I say this every week, and I will continue to say it, we will not stop telling these stories because there are, unfortunately, there are bad people in this world. And unfortunately, sometimes they make it into the healthcare field, and we don't want them there. We we would prefer to just tell these stories and get them out there and like I say, shine a light in the darkness. We we want to um, expose them for what they are. And we need to always, those of us, the the vast majority of people in the healthcare field, of course, are wonderful, amazing people. And they went, in it, went into it because they are wonderful people. And um, so we want to definitely be aware of things that can happen. This this story, though, it's more about my shocking uh, or, or the fact that I'm shocked about it is not about like how cruel someone is. It's more about like how stupid somebody can be. I'll, ne- I'll never understand that, how you can be smart enough to go to nursing school and get a nursing degree, go to medical school and become a medical doctor, all of the, the different people I do, and then just do the yeah. dumbest yeah. things and not understand how just life works, how you know, forensic files. You've never seen forensic files, people. What is wrong with you? There's literally an episode very similar to this from like 20 years ago. Don't, if you're thinking about doing something, you know, just go watch all those episodes. I guarantee you, you'll talk yourself right out of it. There's no way to get, you can't get away with anything. Stop And and people people will try, but you see, that's the thing. It's like, some of these stories, it's like, you want to believe that it was a moment of just like rage and, and anger, but some of these things are premeditated. You, you thought about this. Yes. And, and you used your nursing knowledge to carry it out. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that's like, wow. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> yep. That's exactly right. So this story is it's the story of uh, a nurse by the name of Candy Adams. She worked in an operating room. And that is going to definitely be some <laughs> foreshadowing for us for later. She was a perioperative nurse at Mountain View Regional Medical Center in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And also her fiance, Richard Harris, 
a news article, one news article said that he had sons, but I, I don't believe that she was the mother. I'm not sure if she had any children or not, but there's not a whole lot of information about this case, first of all. She doesn't appear that, that she had any like social media accounts like most people have, but sometimes people get themselves in these situations it. and then they go yeah. delete everything, which, mm-hmm. So basically what happened is Candy Adams called 911 on March 20th, 2015. And the very first thing she says is, I think he's having a respiratory arrest. His O2 sat is down to like about 62%. His color is horrible. I need help out here now. Like what? Okay. Now, I... I can understand like if for some, if some somehow, and if you're a nurse, maybe you do have like a little O2 monitor. I mean, I have one in my, I have like two That's in my I house. That's what I was going to say. Where did she get a pulse ox to know mm-hmm. 62%? I don't have mm-hmm. one of those. So I'm like. I have a couple, but I do have children with asthma. And so okay. of course I'm a nurse and I'm going to be like, oh, I got to go to Walgreens, get a pulse ox. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but so I, I don't know. She must have had some way of monitoring that for her to say that. Then she said, oh, I'm performing CPR. And so then a few minutes later, she said, guys, he's gone. And this is how this whole scenario started. So emergency responders get there. And after that last statement, they discovered that her husband or excuse me, her fiance, Richard Harris, was actually dead. But something wasn't quite right. I mean, all of that so far. I mean, of course, when someone dies, especially if they're relatively young, the first thing that law enforcement thinks is, "Mm, what's going on here? Was there some, was this something that was planned? Was this something that was done by someone else? And who's the first person they look at? Spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Every time, you guys remember that. Just remember that. (laughs) You're planning anything. Just know you'll be I know. a prime suspect. <laughs> and I always say, like, I'm not saying that. I say this all the time, and I don't say that to try to keep. If you're that kind of person that would do that, trust me, I'd rather you honestly be in jail. If you, that's your, you know, if that's the depth of, you know, your morals and, and integrity, I'd honestly rather you just be taken out of society and not be <laughs> mixed in with the rest of us. But to, to save someone else's, you know, from s- someone else from being a victim. To try to remind people, like, if you really are that kind of person, if you don't have the reason of just being a good person and not wanting to hurt someone else to not do something like this, you're going to get caught. Trust me, you're going to get caught. They will figure it out. You are not smart enough. So no. <laughs> All the details they'll know as well. Mm-hmm. They'll figure it out. You're not smart enough. There's all this adrenaline running, rushing through your, your blood anyway. Like, you're just... Unless you're some career criminal and you're you've got ice water through running through your veins, which most of us are not. Even if you're, you know, a bad person, you know, yeah. you're not you're not that kind of person. So if you have all this adrenaline rushing through you, you're gonna forget something. Yeah. I make a mistake for sure. Yeah. And do something really stupid. Like every week, I'm just like, okay. Okay, yeah, they just did that. All right, whatever. It's kind of like the show How to Get Away with Murder. Did you have you ever seen that show? <gasps> Are you kidding me? Yes. The first season was like <gasps> Shonda Rhimes. Oh. Yes. So but good. even even all of them being law students and and knowing the law and knowing all the ins and outs, they still were not able to cover all their tracks. So just saying, hmm. even if you know the law and you know all the tricks and tips, you'll 
still find yourself in some trouble. Just it's saying, true. in case anyone's thinking about it. <laughs> it's true, you guys. Please let this be a voice of reason for you if you're thinking about this. Goodness gracious, people. So one thing that they noticed, though, okay, he is he has passed away, but something's weird. Because these first responders, they've seen, I'm sure, a dead body or two in their time, if they've been around for any, any amount of time. And they said, this is not the body of a man who had just passed away. Wow. So then they investigate further, and the hunch was actually correct. He had been dead for up to six hours prior to wow. the 911 call. Okay, that's a little wow. weird that his O2 set was 62. Oh, mm. man. Just a few minutes before. I've, I mean, I don't know about you, Janelle. I've honestly never taken the O2 set of a dead person's body. <laughs> I haven't actually done that. Oh, my goodness. But I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be 62. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be 62. She just found a random number and decided, yeah, I'm going to go with that. (laughs) I'm going to go with that number. That sounds pretty good when I make this phone call. Okay, we'll do it. We're doing it. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't even, I don't know for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised to find out there wasn't even like a pulse ox. (laughs) (laughs) For them to get there and go, how'd you know it was 62? Uh, I don't know. That's such a good point. I wonder if they investigated that. Like, was Mm -hmm. there a pulse ox in here? Yeah. Where did you come up with that number? It's because clearly it wasn't because it came off of his body. That didn't happen. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Hey, are you studying for your CCRN? If you are, I would encourage you to go to our website at goodnursebatters.com and sign up to be a Patreon member because right now we are working on developing a study guide for the CCRN. And it is going to be unlike anything you've ever seen before, because it's actually discussion based and it's going to be me and another ICU nurse. We have compiled all of this material that's relevant to the CCRN. We've broken it down into easily digestible sections. And we started with cardiovascular. The first section of cardiovascular is going to be hemodynamics. We do pacemakers. We've got, well, everything that's relevant to the CCRN, but it's taking a while for us to compile all this and we really would like some feedback on it. And so what we're doing is as we're working on it, as we get a little piece of it done, we're putting it on the Patreon account and it's going to be free to our Patreon subscribers. For $5 a month, go to goodnursebatters.com, sign up to be a Patreon subscriber. There's other bonus material on there as well. And we're always putting new stuff on there and you'll get a new t-shirt. So give us some feedback. We would love to know what you think of the study guide. We'd love to hear from you. Well, all other signs pointed to Richard's death being accidental, but the timing discrepancy was enough to, of course, launch an investigation that would last for a year. I mean, for one thing, she continued to act suspiciously. She pulled $5,000 out of his bank account just days after his death, provided a will to his family with his forged signature, and then left the state. Oh, no, girl. You see? Mm -hmm. All wrong. All wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm no, like, criminal, but, like, even I know. Like, don't touch anyone's bank account. Don't bring up up any life insurance policies. Don't go looking for the will. Just sit tight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just sit tight. Wow. Again, you just can't. It's as if these people have never watched television, never, never seen a movie. You, I, I'm serious. I, I cannot get I, it. I will never understand it. I will just never understand it. So they ran a toxicology report on Richard and found prescription drugs. And get this, propofol, 
and tramadol in his system. Oh, my goodness. And amounts could and, of course, did kill him. Now, the prescription drugs and the tramadol, which is a prescription drug, but those drugs, okay, that's understandable. Did he take them Maybe he took it, right. Right. The propofol, you don't just, no one has access to propofol except someone who actually works, you know, in a hospital hospital. or in a surgical clinic somewhere where they're putting people. And you know, what's interesting because I've worked in many facilities now that you've said that where propofol is not considered a controlled substance as far as the Pixis goes. Yeah. So we're using it for sedation purposes, but you can just, you don't have to waste it. You don't have to count it. You just pull it out and go do what you got to do with it. Yep. So that was easy for, for her to snatch. You know, maybe yep. if it was morphine or dilaudid or something that is part of a NARC count, it would raise red flags. It would have traced it back to her place of work with the discrepancies. But propofol? Well, here's my... Uh, grab that. Yeah, it, it doesn't... If it doesn't require a count, if it, if it is, you know, if you think, oh, I can just pull this out and and sneak it off or whatever and then give it to him and then no one will know well if they see it in his system and (laughs) is there anyone else around him that was there when he died yeah who has access access to it it? i mean come on it takes two seconds one step forward one step into the future you could have thought and figured this out that this was not a good idea but did you do that no no no, whatever oh she gosh. wanted in that bank account was more worth it than uh, thinking this whole thing through. Wow. Does it say like how much she gave? What like what was like, do we know? Like, did she ever admit to it? Well, not to the point that she admitted any actual. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, taking $5,000 out of his bank account, yeah. you know, just right after he died. And I, and, and I always say this too, like, you never know how people grieve and just because right. someone someone dies like if it's your fiance if it's your your husband or your your wife or whoever it is someone that's quote supposed to be close to you and then you're not upset about it you might not have been as close to them as people would think you would be if you're their fiance or you might you right. know I, I it doesn't mean you killed them just because you're not grieving the way people sure. think so I, I like to try to give people a little bit of a break on that and not just assume, especially in our with our criminal justice system, we're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. And right. goodness knows our criminal justice system runs rampant with people. And I'm so I get so tired of, you know, all the injustice. And so I, I try to just remember that and think how many times have they arrested someone and they have no basis to arrest right. them. And then they build a case around that person and then literally prosecute them on junk evidence. Mm-hmm. So again, I've seen too many of that too, doing this, like oh, doing all the research, just being absolutely appalled sometimes at what our criminal justice system will do to people, literally crucify people. And so for nothing more than just their career, like that prosecutor's mm-hmm. career. So I, I I don't like to just like be like, oh, well, this must be, this person must be guilty. Be- and just solely based on their actions, you know, after the person died. But um but the there's whole, other stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's all this other stuff and you're just like, okay, I'm my uh I'm trying to justify this. I'm trying to be an advocate for this person. I'm trying to, you know, let them be innocent until proven guilty. But you're making it hard. <laughs> you're making it hard. Right. It's like all the compounding things that are happening. It's like the timing of the call, the way she mentioned it. Like, wow. Okay. 
wow, nurses are out here. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Didn't know that nurses did stuff like this. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, definitely for me eye opening because when I started doing this podcast, I was like, oh, I like listening to true crime podcasts. Uh, I want to do a nursing podcast. I should just combine the two. And I just thought, wow, you'd probably run out of stories eventually, but that's okay. I can just figure. And then I get to doing this and I'm just like, really? There is no end. There is no end. Yeah. And just when I think, like, I keep looking, people will just send me more and more stories. Like, there, it it will never end. I'm just like, you people just keep doing this stuff. I don't, I, I'm over it now. <laughs> you guys are, wow, I'm shocked. Like, my eyes are opened. I'm not innocent anymore. I, yeah. know, <laughs> I know what people are capable of. But I also, because I, because I did want to incorporate the good nurse story as well, I have to research, I get to research those as well. Yeah. And trust me, way more of those so many more. Thank God there's so many more of those stories than these. But they did do take an extensive look into into Richard's life and showed it showed that Candy was really the only likely person that had access to these drugs and was in a trusting position with Richard, you know, to have been able to have administered it. It's not like he he what did he do drink it or did someone that's else what I'm it? trying to figure out. Did she, you know, bring the whole IV mm-hmm. starter kit home and decided you yeah. know, because like, if he was on prescription drugs, I wonder if it was, you know, let me do this to kind of help you stay calm. Like, I wonder what kind of story she fed yeah. him to allow him to be so willing to, if that's the way that she did it, you know? We did if a story, oh gosh, I don't even know when these all run together, but I remember doing a story, it's probably been a year ago, I, I guess, mm-hmm. about a nurse who told his friend who was she was a friend he wanted her to be more than a friend but he they were just friends but told her that he could help he could cure her migraines by giving her propofol infusion and so Mm. he talked her into yeah letting Mm -hmm. him literally start an iv on her in in her at her house in her living room and gave her a propofol infusion and she died so wow I could see that happening. I could definitely see that happening but the fact that he had other drugs in his system makes me wonder did she somehow slip something get him to drink something or somehow give him something that caused him to just like how much of it though was it like an like an over a therapeutic level of it was it just like it just some was in there because what that's what i'm saying what if this was like what if he was experiencing some sort of like pain had some kind of recent acute event and so he had these prescribed meds that maybe he was routinely taking every couple of hours throughout the day and she came in with this bright idea like yeah since he's already on these things Let's make it seem like there's an accident. She shouldn't have well, gave the propofol. Then we would have really believed it was an accident. He gave the propofol, girl, and now we know it's you. Because where did it come from? Well, you know, that's the thing. So the police arrested her in April 2016 and set her bond at $100,000. She initially faced a charge of murder and a charge of tampering with evidence and then two counts of forgery. At, while in custody, she admitted that oh. Richard was already dead when she called 911. And then... Even though she admitted that, they offered her a plea deal, which is why we don't know any of the details, because there was never a trial. She she was oh. offered a plea deal. She accepted and pleaded to no contest to oh, involu- involuntary manslaughter with a sentence of three years of supervised probation. Oh, wow. So you kill someone and that's it. Yep. Oh, my goodness. I want- Yes. What see the, these are the parts of the legal system that kind of like scare you because 
like you were saying before, like sometimes like a prosecutor just needs numbers under their belt. Sometimes it's just about numbers. And so it's like, look, take this charge because I don't know what's going to happen if we go to trial. Or maybe they Mm -hmm. convinced her to just admit to it so they don't have to waste their resources going through it. And the fact that she took it to me shows you, sometimes I think like that when people, you know, no, let me not even say that. But it, it feels a little bit weird when someone agrees to a guilty charge if they don't feel partially guilty, unless they are coerced into something. And we know that there have been scenarios where innocent people are coerced into a guilty admission. So let me not be mm-hmm. insensitive to that because that is a very real thing. Yes. But wow, that's supervised probation, not even getting a plea deal and say you serve some time. Supervised probation. Wow. Wow. And people do less than that and get and have to serve time in prison. Imagine you actually killed a person intentionally. How many, uh, Lord, I, I, uh, I, could, I could get on so many soapboxes. How know, many people are in prison because of marijuana usage? Yes. This is what I was referring to. I, I didn't know if, if I could say that right here, but this mm-hmm. is, that's what I'm referring to is that people were selling this herbal substance that was deemed legal and illegal and bad and all these things. And now, you know, we've turned around and we've created a business out of it and we're monetizing it, yet we still have, and and it's a disproportionately amount of black and brown bodies in, in these prisons for this particular thing. And they did not kill anybody. And here you have people who, a nurse at that, one of the most trust, like one of ours, the most trusted profession we've been named year after year. And here you are taking advantage of the trust that the world has in us. And, and, and I think she also took advantage of the fact that she knows that the legal system may also feel that way as well. You know, like nurses are trusted. A nurse would never do that, you know, and she she did that, though. She did it. Yeah, she did. I love how you put your hand on your hip when you. <laughs> <laughs> that's You're just my- like. Yes, that's my. This is um, unacceptable. Yes, that if that's that's my mama and that's my family and that's my aunts and everything. If my aunts listen, growing up, if they do this and they look at you, you better just go be disappear fast because what's gonna come after that ain't gonna be good. So when I put my hand there, that means I am upset. Okay, not happy about this. (laughs) Well, and rightly so. It's so true. Yeah, it's just so true. We've done a lot of stories this past year. Um, trying to highlight black voices for our good nurse yeah. story. I tried it as often as possible, yeah. which really probably I would say greater than 80, 80% of the time, which, you know, who knows whether that percentage is true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 85% of statistics are made up on the spot, you know, right. but um, <laughs> I feel like more times than not, but we, we do, we try to like, I will always try to like, if I'm highlighting a certain type of a physician or nurse or something, I'll be like, what was there maybe like a black person? Person that did like this first, or is there a really cool story about this? Because of all of the things that have that have been going on through the centuries, and then have been highlighted uh, over the past year and recent years and few months, and all of the pro. I feel like so much progress has just has just sped forward over the past year. It's amazing to have witnessed it and to be living during this time to see all this stuff just happen so fast yeah. all the progress that's been made and but to not like like not to think okay good we've arrived we're all good yeah, we no. don't have to do anything else like it's just a we're just starting but that's we're a great start yeah, yeah. We're, we're just starting mm-hmm. yeah so i think that's beautiful that you make that effort because yeah we're definitely just 
just scratching on the surface, you know, more, more than just equality. I think equity and equality is what we all should be striving for. So that's dope on your part. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. And I, uh, we, we had um, a nurse on here who's actually a nursing ins- instructor from Portland who started a, a people of color, uh, people of color collective. I can't remember exactly. Um, Nurses of Color Collective. Anyway, she she was on here. And one of the things that she educated me about is how uh, black people are kind of tired of white people asking them stuff. They're, they're just so over it. And, and so I love that she came on our podcast and just sort of are helping us to understand that perspective. And it just helped me to understand that I can stand on my own two feet and be an advocate and not have to elicit advice. I can right. do my own research. I can, yeah. you know, I, I can be my own voice yeah. and advocate for black voices without, you know, getting permission from a black person or for bringing them into the conversation and exhausting them further because they're just over it. And that's kind of what she taught me with with her organization that she created. And it's, I love that because yeah. her collective that she created is sort of like a safe space for people, for nurses of color to be able to be together and just be like, hey, we're all in this together and we don't for for in this space we don't have to worry about trying to fit in what am i saying you know there's all that pressure that i don't understand and i've never understood i'm never going to understand it cuz i don't live in that world so um but it's good to understand it um just because to understand like if you are in a group of people whether you're at work or wherever and you have, you know, you're, you have like 30 people and then one person happens to be black or a person of color and to just be a mindful, you know, just being mindful of it. It's, it's, you know, many times we're, we don't, we don't intend to be racist. We don't intend to be prejudiced, but our minds, because of our experiences, just, you know, we're just living bubbles sometimes and we just, nothing else happens outside of our bubble. We don't understand what someone else, we don't try to even put ourselves in someone else's shoes. So. That's this story. The probably one of the first things that I thought of was, I wonder if what would have happened if she had been black at this oh, whole, you know, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that is too. That's a real question to ask, and it's an yeah. unfortunate. It's unfortunate that we do have to continue to ask those questions and, and play those comparison games. But it, it's true because there is privilege that comes along with, mm-hmm. you know, being a white woman and, yeah. and especially being a white man in this country. So yeah. the fact that, you know, she's a nurse coming from the, one of the most trusted professions and then she's a white woman, you know, she has double privilege there because mm-hmm. again, when you're in, even just think about when you get pulled over. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been pulled over by, by a police officer, but mm-hmm. I've been pulled over and I've been pulled over in my uniform and there is a different approach when I am in my uniform versus when I am not in my uniform. And that, that little bit of privilege is like, thank you God for it today, you know, Mm. because that little bit is a saving grace because, you know, you're not always pulled over for anything that's justified or real, you know, sometimes they just, there you go, your number three car come here. Or sometimes it's, okay, what are you doing in this neighborhood? You know, for whatever reason, there's a privilege in being a part of one of the most trusted professions, especially now, you know, during a pandemic, everyone is glorifying the position of nurses. 
So I'm pretty sure when she was arrested and, and offered this deal, that was taken into consideration that maybe she has a, a clean record. Her license is clear. She's never made any mistakes at work. People probably vouched for her in that way. And so it kind of lessened the amount of punishment they wanted to give her. Cause like how bad could a nurse really be? Maybe it really was an accident, which is why they gave her involuntary manslaughter, which is meaning all that means is someone died, that it doesn't mean that you did it on purpose. It doesn't mean you had intent It just someone died. So we have to do something about this because supervised probation. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, that's interesting because we just I just recorded an episode with Nurse Jessica and the good nurse was a nurse from New York. She is a nurse practitioner, her ex-husband. She was had a restraining order against him. He was abusive. She left him. She had, you know, we talk about that all the time in this podcast about women and empowerment and you know and, and how difficult it is sometimes to leave these situations. She actually left the situation he was uh, drinking and was drunk and went to her house, was knocking on the door, begging to get in, saying, I can't get in. my. I've locked myself out of my uh, apartment. I can't get in. I don't have my keys. All this stuff played on that side of her that was sympathetic to him that, you know, still probably trusted him on some level. And then he, she let him in. He went in. He got mad because she wouldn't give him money for alcohol. And he started attacking her and she grabbed a knife and she stabbed him one time and then immediately called 911 and started first aid, tried everything. She was very upset and tried everything to help him. And uh, by the time EMS got there, then they took over and she was so upset. They arrested her and she's in prison to this day. She's not. This happened just like last last year, just like about a year ago. And the whole thing has just been put on, I guess, but put on hold. But she's still in jail and she's literally like when someone interviewed her she was literally like i just hate that i can't be out there helping during this time during this pandemic and i'm just like seriously that's what you're worried about like you that this woman is so amazing so anyway uh she of course she's black she's black and uh, it's uh, and and yeah Yeah. and he there you go and i got one more for you he was white so of course i mean you said she was black i already Mm -hmm. knew that it meant that he was white because wow because of you know, if it was a black woman stabbing a black man, maybe they wouldn't care so much, but how dare you do Mm -hmm. that? And it's so awful because she did everything the correct way, right? She defended herself. She called 911. She attempted life-saving measures and goodness, goodness gracious, my soul. Now you need to tell me her first name, her last name. I need to look her up. I need to be part of the movement because if there's anything that I can do to contribute to them either having a trial or or something, but she cannot just be sitting around because wow. And the, the sad part is this could be anyone, like this could be any one of us, you know, like especially me. Like I'm a young woman not dating. Dating is like a very weird experience. You don't know who you're bumping into. Sometimes people are so weird. And then imagine you go somewhere and then guess what? Someone does something not so nice and you have to be put in a position to defend yourself. Is this what I have to expect that in the, in defense of my life and, and I, this is what would happen? Like, wow, that's awful. And, and that's what happens. Black people get harsher sentences. Well, it's a reality. It is a reality. And I, um, I, I know that there are some people that just think, well, but I'm not racist. I'm not prejudiced. And, I, you know, why can't we all just be the same? Or I, I don't see color and all that stuff. And I, it's a thing that people say because they don't they don't see themselves as, as racist and they they don't see all the stuff. And it's I think it's well intentioned. They just don't they're not understanding it from the 
other perspective. It's just like they haven't quite put themselves out there to they don't have to. Yeah. You have to want to do it. Yeah. Um, it's not yeah. an easy thing to do because you almost have to admit that there's a side of you that you don't even realize is there. That's not comfortable. Um, I just sent you a link to see her absolutely beautiful face yeah. and smile. And it's so incredible. It'll, it'll break your heart to see her. Uh, I'm going to look at this later. I don't know if I should look at it now. <laughs> well, she's gorgeous. I mean, she's just beautiful. Uh, her name is Tracy McCarter. And uh, there is... There is a petition that is going out around on change.org oh, to uh, try to get her to try to get something done about this. It doesn't make any sense. It's completely yeah. senseless. And I just I don't know. Sometimes we're just so powerless to do anything about um, something like this. It's so frustrating. And I think that it's something that could happen to anyone. I mean, if the, if some for some reason somebody gets their eye on you in the criminal justice system, and they're like, think about Redonda Vaught, the nurse in at Vanderbilt in Nashville who committed the medication error, who accidental accidentally killed a woman, and they got their eyes focused in on her, and she is she's been going through this for two years now. She's going to have to stand trial for for this for oh. attempted. I believe it's manslaughter. I can't remember now. It's been a while since I've done the story, but it's oh. not. It's awful. Right. It's awful, and so. It could happen to anyone, but it's more likely if you are a person of color, you're you're going to be a target. It's more likely. It's just that because of those biases that are just back, they're just in there for people. And so we just got to keep talking about this and uh, to try to get people to think about it and kind of almost rework our brains, you know, about how we see yeah. things. Yeah. So I definitely want people to, uh, I want to keep this story out there until she, something happens for her and be an advocate for her. Again, her name is Tracy McCarter. Yeah, we have a good nurse story and it's, um, it's going to be a fun one, you guys, I promise. It's not going to be, sometimes our good nurse story can be a little bit of a downer because sometimes our good nurses do good things and then it costs them, you know, like. They sacrifice their life or they, you know, this is going to be a fun oh. one. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not going to tell you who she is just yet. I want to describe her a little bit and see if you can figure out who she is. So first of all, I don't think you would know her original name. Her original name is Anna Mae Bullock. And uh, <laughs> isn't that funny? <laughs> Could you even imagine? So she was, uh, she was born on November 26, 1939. She's been around, around a while. Wow. She's an American yeah. singer. She's also an actress. Her, her career has spanned more than 50 years. She has won numerous awards, more than you could ever, you know, it's not like you could even count them probably. And she's known as the queen of rock and roll. That might give it wow. away right there. We'll see. Yeah. She started out her career with her husband, and they had a sort of like duo, you know, cup, like um, a duo, you know, couple um, act that, that mm -hmm. they did and had a lot of, a lot of hits. And I'm not, I don't know if I should tell, I feel like as soon as I say the names, <laughs> this is hard to do because it's almost, there's almost nothing I can say that you're not going to know. She was, she's from Tennessee. Now this is, a, this is a little known fact. I'm pretty sure she's from Tennessee. One of the, her biggest hits, and I did not know this. So I, I feel like this is not going to necessarily give it away. But one of her biggest hits was about the 
the town where she was from, the county where she was from. It's called Nutbush. I, I couldn't remember the name of the place. I was like, what was the name of that place again? <laughs> The, the name of the name. Mm-hmm, the name of the the county where she's from, or the little like unincorporated area in like West Tennessee, is called Nutbush. And so there was a, a song that she wrote called Nutbush City Limits, and it's like this soulful, like amazing song that's very popular. And a lot of maybe some people would know it. I did not. I wasn't familiar with this when I saw her her biography. Um, I wasn't familiar. That's not one of to me, Doesn't one of her more popular songs, yeah, that you would know. But it's all about the area that she that she came from. I mean, she's really, literally one of the world's most popular entertainer. She's been called the most successful female rock artist. She was named one of the greatest singers of all time by Rolling Stone. And mm. her combined album and single sales total approximately 180 million copies worldwide. Wow. Now, all the while, this woman was a nursing assistant before she did all wow. this stuff. <laughs> wow. Wow. She sold more. I know. It's true, though. It is true. She sold more concert tickets than any other solo music performer in history. She's definitely known for her energetic stage presence, powerful vocals. <laughs> And she's also known for her legs. Like, like that's, she's a very sexy person. Just, I don't know, it's hard to describe, but she's a really good dancer. And she's just an entertainer when she's singing live. Her tour became one of the highest selling ticketed shows of 2008, 2009. And um, wow. she was born a Baptist, but she converted to Buddhism and credits the spiritual chants with giving her the strength that she needed to get through some rough times that she went through. Rolling Stone ranked her at 63 on their 100 greatest artists of all time and considers her the queen of rock and roll. And that's, of course, combined with, you know, women and, and everyone of all time or men and everyone. So she was born in Nutbush, Haywood County, Tennessee. And I guess I can just go ahead and tell you guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I know. So probably the biggest hit that she's ever had is, I would say, Proud Mary. Mm-hmm. Or I think the most iconic is probably River Deep Mountain High and then Proud Mary. I, I wouldn't say they're my favorite song yeah. that she sings because my time of, I guess, probably listening to her music was from the 80s. Yeah. And so there's uh, songs like What's Love Got to Do With It? Yeah. You Better Be Good to Me. That was from 1984. Just the more popular ones that like shown up in like movies and things because technically and she's not like the era that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. So, and then also I always have to explain to people like there's a double whammy with me because so I grew up, I was born in the eighties, grew up in the nineties, but my family's also Caribbean. So the music that was being played in my household wasn't like Tina Turner or like really like, you know, epic, you know, artists from eighties or seventies. We are, we're listening to those like Jamaican artists that are, you know, like from that era. So like, I always tell people like, while you're listening to that, my family was listening to like Ferris Hammond or Sanchez and people, y'all, your listeners are probably like, who just (laughs) Ferris Hammond, like one of the greats. So Hmm. that's the kind of things that I grew up listening to. So Bob Marley. 
Oh, of course, Bob. Like, <laughs> that goes without being said. Like, he's definitely, he's surpassed the island. Like, you know, he's made such a huge impact. So that's my perspective. It's not until I got older that I started, you know, really tapping into American culture. Because I always tell people growing up, I, I basically lived in Jamaica. I lived in America, but in my household, it was Jamaica. Like there was nothing like that. There was always a Caribbean channel on. There was, they were always streaming a Jamaican radio station. We only ate Jamaican food. So, you know, little, like even eating pizza was a luxury because my family, they want to cook their own food. So when you got to taste pizza, it wasn't until like I was in school and I had friends and I was visiting friends' homes. And it's like, oh, there's this other cuisine of things that exist. There's Chinese food, there's Italian food, there's traditional, just regular American food, you know? So I don't like have too much like memories of those, like Tina Turner's and all those like other epic artists being played around with like my parents or grandparents. But as I've gotten older, I've definitely, you know, developed an appreciation for, so I don't have like, you know, I don't have all her songs like strapped into my head. Just ones mm-hmm. that have been like popular used in like movies or shows or things like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and some of them are just, you might not, uh, for, for some of the, and there are young, a lot of young people, well, a lot of young people listen to podcasts anyway, Yeah. but there are a lot of young people that listen, like young nurses, you know, nursing students and yeah. even nurse, even people who want to be a nurse will listen to it. So there's teenagers yeah. and they're probably going to, Tina, who? <laughs> so that's okay. I'm just inter- yeah. just like uh, my children. I've all I've have always grown up with us like introducing them to all different sorts of music, and I like current music too. I'm definitely not one of these people that's like I only like the old stuff. Yeah. You know, like I like all of it. Yeah. Like I I want to just you know listen to everything and understand all the different cultures. And to me, that's one of the best things about America is that you do get yeah. to exper- experience so many different, it is a melting pot and yeah. so many different cultures and types of music and food, everything. It's, it's, it's just everywhere. You know, many years ago, we had a German uh, exchange student that came and lived with us for like a year. Oh, and she was just so like, cool. she said, the thing I'm going to miss so much is not being able to have Mexican food because they don't have Mexican food in Germany. And I was just like, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I know the little things. Wow. I know it's, we take for granted like how diverse this country is, mm-hmm. you know, because we do have access to a lot of different cultures. Especially, I grew up in New York, so I saw a lot more cultures and, and experienced different languages and foods and dance simply from living in New York. Super duper large diverse population of people there i love it well you guys our good nurse uh is tina turner so i'm just still i'm like so impressed with her and amazed at all that she was able to accomplish and she started out her life her young, you know as a, a young person as a, a nursing assistant um so that's pretty cool i like talking about little, little known facts like that so our not necessarily nursing news segment, as you guys know, we like to do a little, uh, I guess, funny. Uh, sometimes we do satire. We literally will read a satire article that sounds like it's supposed to be serious, but it's really not, you know, yeah. like the Gummer blog and that sort of thing. Uh, this mm-hmm. week, what I wanted to do is because I really want to tackle a little subject and talk about it for a little bit. And so I thought it'd be kind of funny to read a nursing job description from 1887. So... Okay, <laughs> we're going to go through this and you guys try not to be so upset about it because it is a long time ago and things evolve and change. Okay. 
So number one, daily sweep and mop the floors of your ward, <laughs> dust the patient's furniture and windowsills. First of all, we don't say we don't call them wards in America. So I know they still do in in the UK. Another. Yeah. Uh, number two, maintain an even temperature in your ward by bringing in a scuttle of coal for the day's business. So there was their job to kind of make sure that you know the place was the temperature was appropriate by bringing in coal. Number three, light is important. You know, to abs- so far, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny because so far some of these very random old school things that we're listening to right now that I'm hearing you mention, I'm hearing how they translate into evidence-based practice right now. Like yeah. I, it's, it's weird. I'm going to let you finish them. I agree. <laughs> so number three, light is important to observe the patient's condition. Therefore, each day fill kerosene lamps, clean chimneys, and trim wicks. <laughs> so number four, the nurse's notes are important in aiding your physician's work. Make your pens carefully. You may whittle nibs in. You may whittle nibs to your individual taste. I can't even understand what I'm saying there because we we don't obviously do this sort of thing. It's so weird. You basically had to make your own pen. Number five. Each nurse on day duty will report every day at seven a.m. and leave at eight p.m. Okay, that sounds very similar to what we do. (laughs) What I do anyway, except on the Sabbath, on which day she will be off from twelve noon to two p.m. Graduate nurses in good standing with the director of nurses will be given an evening off each week for courting purposes or two evenings a week if you go regularly to church. I'm like, if so, if you weren't a graduate nurse and it, what does other people don't get, did you just not get a day off or they literally Sounds dictating, like it. <laughs> mm, dictating what you're like doing? <laughs> mm. Mm. So number seven, each nurse should lay aside from each payday a goodly sum of her earnings for her benefits during her declining years so that she will not become a burden. For example, if you earn $30 a month, you should set aside 15 to half half of your paycheck. You should <laughs> set aside for when you're old so you're not a burden to others. Um, number eight, any nurse who smokes, uses <laughs> liquor in any form, gets her hair done at a beauty shop or frequents dance halls will give the director of nurses good reason to suspect her worth, intentions, and integrity. Ooh, right. they would have hated me if I was a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In those times. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Number nine, the nurse exactly. who performs <laughs> the nurse who performs her labors <laughs> and serves her patients and doctors faithfully and without fault for a period of five years will be given an increase by the hospital administration of five cents per day. Like I said, some of these things are very similar to today's standards. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it. And I would get no raises because wow, five years. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so, Janelle, the reason, and I do think it's funny. I mean, it's it is funny. It's weird to just read that and to think that that's yeah. that's how they saw it. And that 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 is, I'm sure, probably came from a woman who was who was a nurse, who was a the director of nursing. And so, it's not like I don't I don't think that I think this is probably the mindset of nurses at the time, like established nurses, that this is the way we're supposed to do things. And it was just a culture that this is our, you know, knowing your place, knowing what is expected. I was looking on 
a forum online before where someone posted this and then wanted to know, like, what do you guys think about this? And so some people were commenting and I love the, co- you know, you ever l- just love the, com- like, I'll see a meme and I'll be like, I got to see the comments. I want to see what people are saying about yeah. this. Love the comments. So what people were saying, some of the practices that they have heard, like maybe their their mother talk about or their grandmother talk about. One of the things that I've heard before is that if you were in, at the nurse's station and a physician came up, you were expected, if you were sitting down, you were expected to stand up and give them your chair. You know, I, it's funny that you, that that's a thing, because I think that that, that energy must've been passed along because there are plenty of times where physicians will come by and they will plop themselves in the nurse's station and they will get to, you know, typing away and taking over your computer and you're just standing there and you, you're like, I've got things to do on here. And this is the, unfortunately the only computer available here and you need to get up now. I'm so sorry, very politely, but I need to check orders. I need to review things. But there is that sort of like <laughs> some physicians, you know, I think that the nurse physician relationship has definitely evolved and gotten way better. A lot more respect, mutual respect has been put in place, but you'll see some physicians who almost feel like, you know, they, wherever they sit, that's it. And, you know, they'll do things like they'll touch the patient and they'll fling things across the room and you're expected to pick up, pick it up after them. And sometimes I'm just like, I think you dropped something. You want to get that before you walk out? Cause I'm not getting it for you. So, but yeah, that's insane that that was a thing. Like get up when a physician comes. <laughs> Right. And wow. It's and 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 I, someone else posted that their mother told them that that if they were holding a patient's chart. So so today we use computers like you were saying we use computers that, that back then they would be writing their nurses notes in directly into the chart. So hard to imagine doing that, but Yeah. Then if a physician came up you had to immediately just stop what you're doing and hand it to the physician for them to to do their job. So it's it's it is a mentality that like the physician is the most important part of this healthcare team and you know I my job is to support them in everything that they do and be here as a a, a helper or you know just to I don't know it's weird. It's it's not like that now. But I still sometimes feel like we are treated as though we are in that role as far as how much we're paid and the respect and what we're expected to do. And I, I, this is a conversation that I really want to start having quite frequently with people. And that is just like, what are you willing to do as a nurse with your degree and if 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 the if a hospital is looking at you and they say, you know, we expect you to have a bachelor degree, we expect you to go to a university, have a four year education, if that means you know going into debt, whatever you have to do, that's what we expect of you. We expect you to be highly educated, highly skilled. But then, on the other hand, expect you to do all these other things that that take away from your ability to really truly use your critical thinking and care for your patient. So, but I I think that it's it is time especially with this past year and all the things that have happened 
with the pandemic and the, we have gone from there being a nursing shortage, which everyone knows already existed, to now there being a nursing shortage crisis. It's literally just right. compounded the issue. And so right. we have got to figure out what to do in order to keep nurses wanting to work at the bedside, because I don't think that there is a shortage of nurses there is not, I 100%, I will say this uh, with 100% confidence, there is not a, ner- a shortage of nurses who are capable and willing to work at the bedside and take care of patients and use their skills, use their critical thinking, use their education, as long as they are paid what they are worth and treated with the respect that they deserve and that equals the amount to the amount of responsibility that's placed on their shoulders. But because that's inadequate, it runs people off. And they're just like, I don't, I'm not, it's it's so incongruent that who wants to do that? You, you, they're right. looking for other things to do, but they would love to be at the bedside, but it's like, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to put up with this. Do you right. agree? I mean. No, I totally and absolutely agree with you. I think that especially because it's, it's a new generation of nurses that are coming in and then technology and there are more ways and to make money and and there's more emphasis placed on quality of life and we're removing our identities from our profession. So it's a very easy choice when your hospital or your facility isn't making you happy. Because once upon a time, there was heavy identity placed in where you worked and, and there was less emphasis on creativity and living a free and fluid life. And then there was an Instagram to show you people who are living a free and fluid life and who are monetizing that. So with this generation, of, of course, like you're, you want to make that impact. You want to be able to show up for your, your patients. You want to be there, but at what cost? We're no longer willing to sacrifice our quality of life to keep this system rolling in the way that it is. It's broken and it's going to continue to disintegrate into tiny little pieces if they don't figure out the backbone of the hospital is unhappy (laughs) and it's that simple and I think this pandemic has also shown us where nurses like where where we want to be respected and that's paying us well, which is why nurses are leaving staff positions where all these issues are happening and they're not being addressed. Well, then if I can't get my needs met here, then let me go take this temporary assignment. Let me be able to double my income, improve my quality of life, and then overall be happy. What What is it worth for me to come to this unit and be miserable every day, complaining every day? There's nothing being changed. It doesn't matter sometimes how many committees you have. It doesn't matter sometimes, you know, how many meetings you've had. The change is not fast enough. And that's because we're, our thinking is different. What nurses are, are looking at saying that they need, for whatever reason, the hospital administration seems to not find the benefit in that. And if, and if it's coming down to dollars, your, your reimbursements, your money will flow if your nurses are happy. Pay them the extra $10 an hour. Yes. Why? Because if I have better quality of life, if I'm happier outside of work, if I, if I can afford to do the things to take care of myself, then when I come into work, I'm that much more happy. And nursing satisfaction is directly proportionate to patient outcomes. And so if I'm happy, patients are happy, outcomes are better, guess what? Y'all get more money. So if it comes down to dollars, if that's what matters to administration, then Let's start quantifying what it means a nurse is like, you know what I mean? Like, let's let's put the dollars behind it because we're no longer willing to accept 
what we did. It's long gone are the days where you are a nurse for 50 years or 40 years or 30 years. No, we're moving out quicker and faster. And so they need to create more incentive for the bedside nurse who actually wants to be there because new nurses are going back to school sooner because they don't want the stress of the bedside. You know, Mm -hmm. they don't want the stress of that. And so we're getting flooded with all these advanced practice nurses. And sooner or later, that's going to become the new bedside as well, because what's going to happen with so many of us in those higher level roles and not enough of us in the bedside roles, you know, and, and even think about instructors. I was so shocked to see how little nursing instructors, and, and I mean, people with like doctorate degrees in it and advanced degrees, they're literally molding the new generation of nurses and they don't even get paid that well by big, well-known universities. Imagine, imagine that. And one of the uh, articles that I sent you was literally what kind of got me thinking about this is there was an article that came out about how STEM professions only make uh, females only make up about 27% of STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math professions. So when I saw that, I thought, is that true? How is that possible when you have nursing? How big of a, that's a huge profession. And it is definitely way over female dominated. So it kind of shocked me. And then I went and looked and the US government literally does not consider nursing a STEM career. Therefore, it impacts us. It matters because they give funding to these schools, to these universities for STEM majors. And if they're not considering nursing, the nursing schools could be getting money, could be getting funding from yeah. from the from the government, and that could in turn pay instructors more, hire more instructors, and all of that. And if, I'm just like, why is wow. somebody not screaming this from the rooftops? <laughs> we need to be screaming it. Let's start screaming mm-hmm. it because these are things that I don't even think that you know we realize when you're in the thick of the day to day. And that's what it is, is that we're, everyone's focused on what they're focused on. Yeah. And so if you find something that has stuck out to you, like create a petition and let's have that conversation because nurses, we, we create change. And when we come together, we can make things shift on our behalf. Right. But we have to come together and we have to be on the same page and it has to matter to all of us. And it doesn't matter if you're no longer in nursing school. It has to matter to the collective and to the people who are going to come behind you and the people who are going to relieve you so that you can go on and do whatever it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And so we can alleviate this shortage. So, yes, I we this is definitely surprising and something that we should create some initiative around because I had no idea when, when all we do is science and math and there's so much technology involved in it. Look at, look at even how the fact that they have an advanced degree in nursing informatics, how dare Mm -hmm. them not include nursing on a whole in a STEM, you know, major consideration. Like, wow, the disrespect. (laughs) It is disrespectful. And it just goes along with the fact that we are not, we don't get the respect that we deserve for being a, it is a bachelor of science. It is, you know, it is a science <laughs> degree. We yes! have to. Oh my gosh, I can bang the, my head on this wall. <laughs> and I could just literally go back and say, why did you make me take chemistry? And why did you make me take anatomy and physiology? And why did I have to take microbiology? And why did I have to take statistics and the other math? I don't even remember college algebra or whatever it was. Why? Why did I have to take all of the why? math and the science? 
before I ever got into nursing school, not to mention all the science that's actually in nursing school. Why? In the nursing school. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We need to have the, we need to have a bigger conversation around this. Yeah. (laughs) That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Well, I hope I got some wow. people thinking with that because I don't, it's, it's something I hadn't thought of before. So I like to get people thinking. Hopefully some people are going, what? And I made somebody mad enough to want to do something about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure you have because it's got me fired up like, hmm, well, how can I continue this conversation? So yes, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, remind everybody where they can find you, Janelle, and find your book. Yes. So you can find me at novice is the new nurse on Instagram. Novice is the new nurse on Facebook. Novice is the new nurse.com. You can also find me at lavender and peppermint tea on Instagram or lavender and peppermint tea.com. Or you can just go straight into Amazon and type lavender and peppermint tea, gentle affirmations for the new nurse. And you can purchase my book and you can stay in contact that way. (laughs) I love it. You guys know you can find us at goodnursebadnurse.com and you can email me if you want to at Tina at goodnursebadnurse. We're on Instagram at goodnursebadnurse. We're on GMBM podcast and Twitter, very minimally at uh, GMBM podcast. And I guess that's it. And I also want to remind you guys that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs>